Hi, Fellowship family. I'm Dwayne Arledge, Associate Pastor here at Fellowship of the Rockies. It's my privilege to be preaching, sharing with you this week in Pastor Charlie's place. He's out this week, but he'll be back next week to begin a brand new sermon series. So this week, I got the privilege of speaking with you. Since early March, when we stopped having our in-person worship services here at the building, I've had one question asked of me at least a hundred times. It is this, or some variation of this. How long until we can start meeting for worship services at the church building again? I think how long is one of the questions that we start asking as a child, and we never stop. Now, the first question is probably why. If you've ever had a two-year-old and you give them an instruction, you know the first response they have is, why, why, why? But I think very shortly behind that is the question, how long? If you've ever taken children on vacation, you know that question, how long till we get there? Or five blocks from the house on a three-day trip, it's, are we there yet? You, you tell them, you're in time out. Go, go, uh, go to your room, you're in time out. And they say, how long? You say, put away that tablet, quit playing video games, and go read a good book. And they say, how long? Have you ever asked God, how long, God? How long, Lord? In in this coronavirus, the stay at home and all the different drop downs of that, uh, we've asked a lot of how long questions. How long until I can find toilet paper, paper towels, sanitizing wipes? How long till I can get a haircut? How long till I can find meat products at the grocery store again? How long till I can actually see my friends? How long till I can meet with my life group face-to-face instead of every week seeing people in those little boxes on my computer screen in a Zoom meeting? How long till I can go to a restaurant? How long till I can go out in public without having fear? How long till they have a vaccine for this virus? How long till life returns to normal? How long till the people around me stop whining? How long? Or how long till I stop whining? How long? Or how long till God does something about this virus situation? Listen, we've all been consumed with this coronavirus thing. But in in the middle of that craziness, other life situations go right on. We, We still have relationship problems, maybe more since we're staying home much more. We still have health problems that are not related to the coronavirus. We still have emotional struggles. We still have financial struggles. We still have problems with our children. We still have problems with our parents. We still have anger and anxiety over political situations in our country. We still have racial problems in our country. By the way, God has the solution for this one. It's His love. If we truly have the love of God, we will love every other person with the kind of love God has for them. You see, we really, really, really are all created in the image of God. But whatever the struggle, we find ourselves constantly asking, how long, Lord? So I want to, this weekend, turn our attention from just focusing on things to do with the coronavirus and all that that situation, or our political situation, uh, to all of the things that cause us to ask, how long, Lord? In other words, 
I want to include our personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's a scenario. It's kind of from my life. God speaks to you. Maybe you're reading the Bible. Maybe you're praying. Maybe you've been seeking God for something. And you are confident that you hear a word from the Lord. He's going to do a specific thing in your life, or He's going to use you to accomplish a specific work or ministry. You get excited. You get all emotional about it. You start telling your friends, your family. Then you start making plans for how God is supposed to do this thing He promised you. You have it all figured out. And then God does nothing for weeks, months, years. Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to me. And I, I can tell you this. If it has not happened to you, you just hang around a while, and it probably will. So let me just share briefly a story before we look at a, a character in the Bible that illustrates this for us, that God will use to teach us. Let me just give you a bit of my life story, mine and Summer, my wife. In February of 1990, I was young in ministry. I was at a Bible conference, and I remember very clearly I was sitting there. I was getting ready to take notes on the speaker who was speaking, and I looked down at my notes from the night before, and God uh, began to speak to me from what He had done in my life the night before. And so I just checked out for a couple of minutes and focused on that and just began to pray and ask God to minister to me and to remind me from this message the night before. In the middle of that, it had never happened to me before, but in the middle of that, I heard God say this. Now, it wasn't audible, but it was clear. One simple sentence, and that's all. He said, I'm going to do something completely different in your ministry. That's it. That's all. I wanted to ask questions. I wanted more clarity. I wanted him to write several paragraphs. But that was all he said. Now, let me tell you this. That was not the norm for me. I knew it was God, but that had never happened before in my life. And it's happened rarely since then. It's not an every week occurrence. So that evening, I went home and I told Summer, my wife, and she, that, that God was going to do something completely different in my ministry. And so she said, should I start packing? Are we getting ready to move to another church, a different ministry? And I said, I don't think so, but we need to watch and see what God's doing. So I, I sounded very spiritual at that moment, but here's what really happened. In very few weeks, I began knocking at every door I thought could possibly be something that would be exciting or fun for me to do in, in a ministry. Then I began pushing at those doors, and then I began kicking at those doors. I, in, in, in this time, I even moved to a new church ministry position. Now, I believe God was moving me from this church to that church. But, but even that ministry position change from one church to the other was not the new thing the different thing God had talked to me about because I just simply changed churches doing almost the same thing I'd been doing. Sometimes I began to wonder, did I really hear God or was I dreaming that? Did, I, did God really speak? Three and one-half years later, 
it still looked like not one thing had happened from what God said in February of 1990. I ask you again, is that something that's happened to you ever? Maybe not three and a half years, but for quite a while? The good thing is this. In Scripture, God recorded a true story about a man for you and me for the times when we're asking, how long, Lord? How long until you do what you promised? So here's the story. Let's launch into the story. It's out of the book of Genesis. We'll begin in Genesis chapter 12 at the first verse, but we'll end up ultimately in Genesis chapter 18. Now, we're not going to read all of that, but all of that story covers about 25 years in the life of a man named Abraham. Ultimately, his name was changed to Abraham. So, 25 years of his life. So, we're going to tell, walk through the story first. We'll take some time walking through the story of Abraham. And then, later in the message, we're going to see what God did during that time when it seemed like he was doing nothing, and then we're going to understand how we need to respond to that. So in Genesis 12, beginning at verse 1, let's read some, the story in Scripture. Some of the story I'll read, some of it I'll simply tell you so we move along without reading the whole book. Verse 1, it says this in Genesis 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country. He was in a country called Haran. And God was sending him ultimately to the land of Canaan, which is today the nation of Israel. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. He didn't even tell him what land it was. He just said, start traveling. When you get there, I'll show you. That's the first promise God made to him. He said, I will show you when you get there. Verse 2, and he says, and I will Another promise. So this is full of promises that God's making to Abraham. I will make of you a great nation. And then another promise. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Verse 3, another promise. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse him. And in you, another promise, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Listen, God made a lot of promises that day, some big promises. So, Abram left where he was, took all of his family, everything he owned, and he started traveling. He was 75 years old when this happened. He had no children. But God had promised him that he would make a great nation out of him, and that meant a lot of children, a lot of grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and so on. Abram believed God, and he went, and he traveled until he came to the land called Canaan. And in verse 7 of chapter 12, let's pick it up again. It says, then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, he's already in this land called Canaan. He says, to your offspring, another promise again, I will give this land. So Abram built right there, built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Notice this. The first thing Abram did was to worship God, right response, because he trusted God. He believed God. Again, in this time, God promised him offspring, children, grandchildren. Let's continue in chapter 12, verse 14. 
The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him. So Abram and his, his nephew Lot were in the country, and they had, their, their herds were developing, getting larger and larger. And their workers overseeing their herds began to squabble over pasture land and water rights and all of that kind of stuff, just like in the West today. And so Abram told his nephew Lot, look, you choose the land you want, and I'll go somewhere else. So Lot chose, and Abram was leaving. So the Lord said to him after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes, look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward. Look all around you, 360. For all the land that you see, here's his promise again, I will give you. Give to you and to your offspring forever. That's a big deal. Verse 16, he continues his promise. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. In other words, if they could count the dust of the earth, they could count your offspring. But since they can't count the dust of the earth, no one will ever be able to tabulate how many offspring actually come from you and your wife. Verse 17, he said, arise, get up, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent, that was his dwelling, he was nomadic, and he came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord. Notice, third time God makes the promise to him, and Abram again worships the Lord. Then In chapter 15, we come to the place where, finally, Abram does the very thing you and I do. He says, how long, Lord? Let's read about it. In chapter 15, verse 1, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. I'll protect you. Your reward shall be very great. And we see a little bit of doubt, a little bit of cynicism creep into Abram here. In verse 2 it says, but Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? In other words, you've just promised me a great reward. What kind of reward will you give me? For I continue to be childless, and the heir, the one who will inherit my house, is one of my servants, one of my workers, Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, I love this part, behold. Now, I don't know if you've ever said behold to God. Let me translate it for you. Behold is, God, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but you should look a little more closely. You've given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. Now, didn't he just say that in the verse before? But he's saying it again to God like God Pay attention here. You haven't been paying very close attention. And I love this part. This is hilarious to me. Verse 3, it says, I mean, verse 4, there's a behold that comes back from God. God says, by the way, Abram, behold, you pay attention. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man, Eliezer of Damascus, will not inherit all of your household. Your very own son will. Verse 5, and he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven. Number the stars, if you're able. A little sarcasm here from God. Abe, if you can count the stars, you go ahead and do it. Then he said, 
your offspring are going to be that many. Verse 6, and Abram believed the Lord and God counted it to him as righteousness. Just as when we believe God, we repent and believe, listen, God forgives, he gives us salvation, and he counts it to us as righteousness. Then Abram, pick up the story. Abram said, how am I to know that I'll have all of these descendants and actually possess the land? And God went beyond just a verbal promise, and he made a covenant with him. He, he killed animals. He split them open as in an animal sacrifice, and then the very presence of God given evidence by a smoking incense pot, moved between the two halves of all those animals. God himself showed up for Abram. This was a solemn, divine covenant oath. He made that strong a promise. Now let's fast forward 10 years after the first promise. We're, it, it, you can read the story in Genesis 16, but they still have no children 10 years later. And in their culture, it was an embarrassment to not be able to have children. So Sarah gets a bright idea. His wife, she says, why don't you have a child with my servant, Hagar, and give me a child that way? Now, it was socially acceptable in that day if they were childless because it was a great embarrassment to be childless. But it was not God's plan. So Abram does this. Hagar has a son. They name him Ishmael. To this day, the Ishmaelites, a whole nation, came from Abram through Hagar and Ishmael. They're the Arabic nations. The Arabs have hated Israel to this day. That didn't work out very well. And that's what happens when we decide God isn't moving fast enough. That's what happens when we decide to step in and take over for God. And guess what? It didn't go too well between Sarah and Hagar either. Intense hatred developed between them to the point that they separated and went their different ways. Now, let's fast forward again. 24 years later, Abram is now 99 years old. This is in Genesis 17. Abram must have said, how long, Lord? A thousand times. But still, 24 years later, no children. And God had promised, I'll make a great nation of you. God appeared to Abram and he says, Abram, Walk before me and be blameless. I'll keep my covenant with you, and I'll multiply you greatly. In this encounter with God, God says, and your name has been Abram, which means exalted father. I'm going to change your name to Abraham, which means father of a multitude. And I'm going to change your wife's name from Sarai, which means my princess, to Sarah princess. In other words, not a personal princess, but a princess over nations. And she was going to be the mother of a great nation. Now, is God trying to frustrate Abraham? He, 24 years of promises and only a name change? But get this, then finally, God says, now, now, Sarah's going to have a son next year. Guess what Abram did, or Abraham now? He laughed. His wife Sarah laughed. They must have cracked up. He's 99. Sarah is 90. This doesn't happen. And God said to him, it will happen. Now, let's close this part of the story because we could keep going with Abram, Abraham for years. But here's what happened. 
They had a son the next year, Isaac. And he was the promised son. The nation of Israel came from Isaac, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob. You, if you know the Scripture history, Jacob was actually renamed by God himself. His name became Israel, Prince with God. And the nation of Israel came, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And Jacob was actually the father of the great nation of Israel. After 25 years of seeming to do nothing, God came through. He fulfilled His covenant promise. And the nation of Israel was brought into existence. And God has made the, the offspring of Abraham spread throughout the whole earth. Now, let's process this 25 years very quickly. 25 years of Abraham saying, how long, Lord? And let's apply it. I want to apply it just briefly, quickly, but pointedly for us in two ways. One, and I've used this before because I, I got this from Pastor Charlie when he preached it once years and years ago. It spoke to me so strongly. Let's look at God's part and let's look at my part. God's part, I want to make three observations just quickly. God chooses us in spite of our lack of ability. Abraham was a liar. He lied early in life. He gave in to the pressure to have a child with Hagar, Sarah's servant. And for us, we completely lack the ability to do God's work, but He chooses us anyway, and He works through us. Look, let's look at the main passage in Genesis 18, 17 through 19. The Lord said this, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Seeing that Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed in him. For I have chosen him, he chose us as well, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Listen, let him choose you to use you in whatever way he desires. Don't make the choice for him how He is supposed to choose you. The second thing that's God's part, God always has a purpose for His choices. I don't get to choose my purpose. God chooses that. It's never random. It's never poorly thought out. His purposes are always holy. His purposes are always good. Remember, I just read it, but let's look again at verse 19. He says, for I have chosen him that he may command his children, his household, to keep the way of the Lord, to do righteousness, justice, so the Lord may bring to Abraham what he's promised. So it brings glory to God, and it blesses Abraham, and the same is true for you and me. His purpose wasn't just to build a great nation. His purpose was to build a great nation through Abraham so he could have a relationship with them and so it could bring great Glory to God. Let's use God's purpose and not make up our own purposes. And the third thing, God finishes what He starts. Verse 19 says this, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what He has promised him. Ultimately, God will bring glory to Himself. But God did not forget His child, Abraham. He did not forget the great promise he gave him. He, he, God brought it full circle, but there were a lot of years, a lot of miles in between the promise 
at the finish line. How long, Lord? As long as it takes. His timing is perfect. His ways are always perfect. Now, that's God's part. What about my part and your part? Three very simple things. First, trust God completely. We look back and follow Abraham's life. Initially, Abraham trusted God completely. Every time God said something, Abraham fell down and worshiped him. He built an altar and he worshiped God. But he, he strayed for a time and periodically. But he always came back to that place of complete trust. I would say to you, here's a verse I would share with all of us. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Complete trust. And do not lean on your own understanding. There's where we go astray. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. First thing is complete trust. Second thing that is my part and your part is listen. Really listen. Not just partially listen. Not just listen to the parts I like. Really listen. In Psalm 81, there's, there's a, a, a song of God pleading with the nation Israel, and I think it applies to you and me. God says, oh, that my people would listen to me. Oh, that Israel would follow me walking in my paths. And I often read this psalm and read it, oh, that Duane would listen to me. Oh, that Duane would follow me walking in my paths. Then he says, how quickly I would subdue his enemies, how soon my hands would be upon their foes, but I would feed you with the finest wheat. I would satisfy you with honey from the rock. Listen to what he actually says. Don't add to it. Abraham and Sarah added. Don't take away only what he says. The third thing that's my part is obey. Nike's slogan years ago said, just do it. If God says it, just do it. John 14, 21, Jesus himself said this, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Listen, here's the way we obey. When God speaks, we do it. And we keep doing it until God says the next thing we're supposed to do. That's where we fall down many times. Now, let me go back to the story I began with. Three and a half years after God said to me, I'm going to do something completely different in your ministry, hardly a word. On August 17, 1993, remember, God spoke in February of 1990. August 17, 1993, three years, seven months later, God began to do just what he promised in February of 1990. I made a phone call to the pastor I'd worked with in Missouri. He was now working at Riverside Church in Denver. I called him on a Tuesday afternoon. Someone had said, hey, why don't you call your friend Rick and ask him a certain question? So I picked up the phone and called him. Hadn't talked to him for months. He had been praying for five days that if God wanted him to talk to me about coming to Denver, that I would call him not him calling me, that I would call him. And so someone said, hey, why don't you call Rick? And I said, I'll do just that. Well, that was God. I called, and his response was, hey, would you be interested in, and we began to talk about a ministry totally different than anything I'd ever done, helping to plant churches, helping to start mission ministries around the world. And I ended up, months later, 
actually coming to Denver and moving to Denver, never to look back on the Midwest. Thank God I'm in Colorado the rest of my life, I hope and pray. But here's the thing. God knew that I wasn't ready in 1990 to do what he was speaking to me, but there was a whole lot of getting ready I needed to do. And there's not enough time for me to tell you all God did in my character and in my heart to build me into someone who could be used in that ministry in Denver. See, people read the Scripture and they think it took God 25 years to make a son for Abraham. That's not true at all. It took 25 years for Abraham to be fashioned into a father for that son, Isaac, that promised son. It took 25 years for Abraham to be fashioned into a man who could be the father of nations. Now, my guess is this. A lot of you who are listening to this message are in the middle of saying, how long, Lord? You may be months into how long, Lord? You might be years into how long, Lord? But here's what I challenge you to do. Out of my own experience, out of what God teaches in Scripture, trust deeply and completely. He's worthy of your trust. Listen, really listen, and begin listening through the Bible. That's the best place. And then obey completely for as long as it takes because He will fulfill everything He promises. Would you pray with me, please? God, thank You that we can trust You. Thank You that when You make a promise, You never lie. You always come through. You always fulfill every promise You make to us. So, Lord, today, beginning with me, and extending to every person listening. Would you help us to trust you completely because you're trustworthy, to listen closely, to obey completely and continually. We know you're going to work. We know you're going to love us and care for us. Even when we yell at you, how long, Lord? You still love us. And so help us to submit to you. In Jesus' name, amen.